And this season of the Making It in Asheville podcast is sponsored by Range Urgent Care. Range has a very special offer for all business owners and honestly anyone in Asheville. So please stick around to the end of this ad to learn more about that sponsorship. But first, we want to tell you why we love Range Urgent Care specifically for our small business. As a small business owner, it can be really expensive to maintain a traditional healthcare plan for you and your employees. And this is where Range Urgent Care, an Asheville-based clinic, can help really make a difference. With their business membership plan, you can give you and your employees the peace of mind and help protect them and their financial futures by giving them a place to go for medical care and avoid a potentially life-changing emergency room bill. The great thing is is that an employee membership is just $45 a month per employee, and it includes unlimited urgent care visits that cost $0. These visits include services like x-rays, flu shots, and even prescriptions from Range's in-house pharmacy. The membership also includes free virtual visits for those more mild complaints such as colds, rashes, UTIs, so that your employees don't have to leave their home to get checked out by a medical professional, which is pretty important during the current pandemic. Their employer portal makes it easy to manage your employee roster and invoices from wherever you are, and their business memberships can scale to the size of your business. With two locations, one on Merriman Avenue in Asheville and the other in Black Mountain, they make it very convenient as an option for any Asheville local business. All right, so maybe you're not a business owner or perhaps a corporate membership is just a little bit outside of reach for you and your business today. Range can still help. They offer a wide variety of other memberships, including family and individual memberships, and you don't even need to be a member to visit Range Urgent Care as they are also in-network with most major insurances and offer affordable and transparent flat rate visits. And now for the special offer. Just for the listeners of the Making It in Nashville podcast, Range is offering a free first month of their annual membership, and that's any membership, whether it's business, professional, family, as Sarah said, all of them will get you your free first month. Uh, visit makingitinashville.com forward slash range to learn more about this very special offer and more about the subscription plans. Again, that's makingitinashville.com forward slash range for a free first month in any annual membership. Welcome to this episode of Making It in Asheville. Each week we sit down with a local Asheville artist, entrepreneur, creator, maker. This week we're sitting down with Opie Way and their two founders, Justin and Amanda. And uh, Opie Way is, I will do my best here and then I'll hand it to you guys. They make shoes right down the street from Asheville. And really it's, cool sneaker and it's shoes. And, it, and they're beautiful <laughs> and they're uh, handmade. And so couldn't even guess. I imagine there involves some sort of leather and rubber and stitching, but we're going to try and figure out how do you get started making shoes in America and what that whole process has looked like. So please tell us a little bit about Opie Way, and we'll, we'll, we'll unpack it over the next little while. Yeah, I think uh, that, was a, that was a pretty spot-on description. But um, Opie Way, you, you know, we're manufacturing and um, selling shoes right here in Asheville, North Carolina. Um, we're hand making them and stitching them every single day. And I think, um, at the end of the day, like our goal is to really just even on a small scale, change the way that people think about and consume footwear here in America. 
And where did the name Opie come from? Because it's, it's, it's an odd name. And I think that's kind of like the first thing that I recognized was like, okay, what does this company do before I saw like actual pictures of what you do? Um, what is What does Opie mean? Well, we had a really hard time coming up with the name just because everything felt so boring or like sounded like just another, you know, footwear company. Um, So we were trying to think of something that was meaningful, like that would, you know, we could broaden a little bit if we needed to. Um, Anyways, our we have two daughters. Their names are Ophelia and Wayland. And so Opie and Way are their nicknames. And we put it together and we just kind of liked it. And um, yeah. Yeah. And it was a little bit weird, so like we we kind of appreciated that too. Yeah. I, I I love it. I think that that is um... well, and it's just funny because you think I thinking about like all the famous um, shoe companies like Nike and Adidas and. Uh, I don't. Are wanna... you talking about? Uh, forget it. Stop there. Nike. And yeah, Adidas. like those are like not real real things. So yeah. it, it, I love that you guys sort of followed in that. I don't want to call it tradition, but the non non traditional naming process. Yeah. yeah. It, it, uh, Thanks. And it can be uh, eventually. I mean, it, to your point, it it, it is open ended, so it can be the op way is to make things with the highest quality by hand in North Carolina. So I I love it for a number of reasons, and um, I guess the next question: do, do, Are you from a long line of shoemakers? The word I know is cobbler, but I don't think that's the right term in this instance. But like, are you the children of cobblers? Yeah, uh, no, we're not children of cobblers. Um, I think it's uh, it really is like due to way too much passion for sneakers from me, and um, probably like way too much trust and belief that Amanda has for it as well, and that um, you know kind of catapulted where we are us to where we are and um yeah so no no just everything self-taught here when it comes oh, to wow shoes. <laughs> i find that yeah i find that really interesting and um i think that's an interesting question because i'm i'm reminded of tony and i both spent a lot of time in italy it's where we met and we lived in florence for a little bit and they make you know a lot of leather products and, and in particular i think italians have, are kind of known for like their shoes and and having this old world tradition of like passing down to your sons, right? Like the shoe business yeah, and keeping like it going. Vacation. Yes. Yeah. But that's like not at all what you guys are doing. And I find that absolutely fascinating. Um, <laughs> we kind of wish that we had something just, um, yeah. but no. Yeah. We don't. Well, it could be something in your family later on. Like maybe you pass it down to your kids yeah. if you yeah. want to do it. So, yeah. For sure. Yeah. That's our hope. And so, I mean, I, I'm going to say in a past life, I've cared a whole lot about clothes and fashion. Mm-hmm. I was, I would not say I was ever a sneakerhead, but I was into American-made, like, boots. I was into, like, dress shoes. And I've watched a lot of videos of people making, you know, slightly more, uh, I would say, um, you know, not not sneakers. I didn't know, I've never seen anybody make a set of sneakers or casual shoe. But I've watched cobblers make, you know, um, uh, like a beautiful, even Alan Edmonds uh, dress shoe or Red Wing. Like, I've watched videos of like red wing boots get made um, or things like it. Uh, Wolverine's 
so uh, I'm wondering, it's one thing to say, you know, in the early 90s, I loved bu- buying Nikes or Jordans. And like, to, mm-hmm. to, did, you, did you watch YouTube videos? Like, did, what did you, how did you make your first sneaker? <laughs> oh, man, that, uh, that's like a really, really <laughs> long story. Probably like, <laughs> took so long for this to like become an actual thing. But like when I was a kid, I was very much like what you just talked about in the 90s, like shoes were my life. I was the kid that like my mom would get me shoes on Christmas, you know, and like that night I would like sleep with them on my pillow. I just I had this weird fascin you know, fascination of what shoes were, um, sneakers specifically. And then, you know, I think if you would have asked me when I was in middle school, like, what are you going to do one day? It was like, I'm going to design shoes for Nike. Like I already I knew that's what I wanted to do. Um, and so, like, I followed that. Um, Amanda and I met when we were 15 years old. Wow. So, like, she can attest to, like, she thought I was crazy, I think, a bunch. Um, buying all of these shoes and just reading sneaker blogs and I was so into it. Um, and so when I went to college, I went to college just to do that. I was going to design sneakers for a bigger company. Um, but while I was in college, I got this like weird tug on my heart. Like once I got into the industrial design program and um, I got a mentor who was a sneaker designer in college, it was amazing. Then I just, I don't know. It was like, man, this, this is actually like a little bit dirty. Like, how shoes are made on a huge scale and like where they're made. And I don't know, it was just like a transition where I was like, I don't think this is what I want to be a part of. Like it's too removed from appreciating the design and like where that shoe came from. Um, And so I was just like, I'm going to go another route. Um, And I went into the marketing world for a while. Um, Amanda and I were living in Charlotte and I was like, uh, you know what? Like, if I'm not going to design shoes, I'm going to at least, like, make my own shoes. I just want to make what I want, I, I, you know? I, I can imagine making a moccasin, right? Like, I've seen, I've also watched people make <laughs> moccasins online. But, like, it's a yeah. fundamentally different thing when you're make like, okay, so how did you do that? <laughs> I'm so interested. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't know. It's like... Uh, for me, it was like, I know exactly what I want in a shoe and like, I'm going to figure out how to make it. So I decided you asked about a term earlier. A lot of people use the term cobbler, um, but a cobbler is really somebody who like fixes shoes. If you have a nice pair of boots or dress shoes and you want them to be resold or you have to repair a rip in them or something, you take them to a cobbler um, and they do amazing. Cobblers are amazing. Um, there's another term though that is called cordwainer and a cordwainer is somebody who builds shoes from the ground up. Like they just create and make shoes. So I decided I was going to try to teach myself how to become a cordwainer for myself. Did you ever make shoes in, I'm sorry, in your industrial design program? Did you? No. And I think that's like, I think that's probably the bummer of the whole thing. You know, like, I was going to design shoes and not one time did I even like play with material. Like it was just, wasn't something that was, I don't know. It wasn't in the curriculum. So when you design sneakers, you're like so removed from the actual process of the shoe. 
and, and I wanted yeah. it all. Like I wanted to be a part of all of it, I think. Um, and so, you know, I'm, we both have full-time jobs. I want to build my own shoes. And so I tell Amanda, like, I'm going to buy these vintage machines I found, you know, like two hours away. And so I packed up the truck and brought home these two old machines and sat them in a basement. And I just was trying to learn how to build shoes. Um, and that was, I don't know, four or five years of me trying to do that. And when, when was this? Like, and was then, this in the age of YouTube where you could watch videos and learn how to do it? Yeah, yeah, for, for sure. There's just not, um, like you can try to YouTube now and you're not really going to find videos of people like actually making shoes. There are a lot of guys that are doing like custom shoes and you can take classes. It seems to be like an aftermarket, you know, like paint shoes seems to be like a real, there's a real kind of industry in that. Um, And I'm imagining that you found these, these sewing machines on just eBay. (laughs) Yeah, Craigslist actually. Yeah. Um, and, and so like, I knew, like, I knew nothing, which is, it's so funny to like, think about that now, just thinking like, I can jump into this and do it. Like I've got it, you know? And then it's just the teaching aspect of it. It's, it's been such a long road. Yeah. Um, and Amanda, I mean, what, what were like, so, when Tony starts taking on a new sort of project, my mind is kind of like, okay, I'm wondering where this is lead, but like, I'm, I'm glad that he's working on something, you know, this is exciting. But like, what were you thinking yeah. at this time? Like he just brought these huge machines <laughs> home. And <laughs> we had, um, I think you got them like when our daughter was really little, like just a few months old, probably. And so I was like in bliss with my newborn and like, you know, it was fine. Um, like, I definitely thought he was a little crazy. I'm like, you're going to go spend, like, all this money that you saved and buy these random old machines. Um, so I didn't, I mean, I didn't really get it. And, like, I wasn't super, um, like, involved at that point or interested. Mm-hmm. But I was, so I was like, if you want to learn, like, go for it, you know. And he's always been so just obsessed with shoes so I'm like this can be another outlet for you you know like something creative and um his job at the time like wasn't creative at all I was just like computer work so I was excited for him to to try it but I definitely didn't imagine that it would go anywhere (laughs) um and and so okay so you get these machines I imagine you buy some scrap leathers and now it's a matter of like do you just like find a, do you like, are you ripping the top off of vans and like putting stuff onto vans or something? It, yeah. Like that's, that's definitely where it starts. Um, and then, you know, it's just like small building blocks, like very small building blocks after that. So I was doing just that, you know, like ripping shoes apart, trying to like Frankenstein them back together Um and then you realize like, oh, you can buy soles that are already made and I could probably find like, you know, better leather. And so you, like you just take small steps at a time. And so it was, no. yeah, I'm like thinking about Amanda's like <laughs> trust in me, but she like, had to have thought like, <laughs> what in the hell is this guy doing? Um, so, but yeah, like very small building blocks. Absolutely fascinating. Um at, so 
your early days, you make your first finish shoe, and is it like immediately, I could do this better, let me start over? Or were you, you know, like, aha, we're going into business, let's go. <laughs> like, what, uh, what was the uh, feeling after that? <laughs> I was so stoked with my first shoe. Um, it's funny, we, we still have it at the factory, and we laugh about it sometimes, but I was like amazed, like, oh my God, I made this shoe and like, I want to wear it around everywhere. Um, and Amanda was like, so nice, you know, like, yeah, this is great. And we had some neighbors over one night um, and I'm like bringing these shoes out to say like, you know, I'm this is my first pair of shoes, like check it out. And our neighbor picks it up and he's like, oh man, this is, this is nice. It's almost like an ankle weight. <laughs> <laughs> Amanda like lost it. And that's what I was like, okay, we, I've got to, we've got to get better at this. Before I mean, what I was it made of? Why was it so heavy? <laughs> it was like this really thick, um, yeah, it was like elk Whoa. hide and <laughs> what? it was like way too thick and the, I don't know, everything was like this really heavy, like heavy leather. It, it was just, uh, it wasn't good. And he wears like a size. 14 or 15 so it's like really big yeah, we, 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 like <laughs> I, I don't know i guess instagram is, objects in the mirror are closer than they appear on some of the photos that i've just finally seen of you guys like standing justin you look really tall <laughs> like how how tall are you <laughs> yeah i'm uh, i'm like six Whoa. six cool yeah and so was that i mean sneaker culture uh you either I think were in it or you weren't was like everyone around you into sneakers whereas your group of friends a bunch of like sneakerheads were you in buying and selling do you have wrapped Jordans like what what level of sneakerhead youth were you I, I was I was in deep I was um I feel like I came up in this era like before the sneaker market yeah. is what it is right now so I could still go to the store two months after a shoe released, you know, and save up my money for two months and get them. And now you just, you can't do that. So I would, I would buy them and keep them so clean. There was definitely no reselling um, until I got into college. I, I paid a lot of bills like reselling shoes uh, through college for did sure. Did you ever, was East Bay, East Bay magazine a thing for you? So I remember East yeah, Bay, yeah. Like, like when it would show up, I'd freak out and I'd look at all the stuff. And I would, I would say, oh my God, these sneakers or these cleats. I was really into cleats because like football and lacrosse and stuff. But so I'd, I'd look at these cleats and I'd go, oh my God, and they're on sale. And then it would be like size 14, 15 is on sale. Regular human shoes are full price. And I was like, oh man, what I would give to be a size 14. Everything's on sale. You just wait a little while. Did you find that to be true? Yeah. Or were you too early in the market on some shoes? I, I think it was like, uh, <laughs> from my perspective of being that big shoe size, it was like flipped because if yeah. you were a size nine, you're going to get like, the store is going to get eight, 10 go. pairs. If you're a size 14 and 15, they're going to yeah. get your one, like one per store. So I felt like if I was trying to compete with anybody to get a pair of yeah, shoes, right you know, I had to like yeah. grab my I one guess pair. So. Difference. You know, East Bay was like really early on either internet yeah. buying or uh, I remember we used to like, you would call because it was a magazine and you'd write yeah. yeah. a number. Um, so interesting. And East Bay would mm -hmm. have, I guess, more of the 
you know, outlier sizes than your traditional brick and mortar in a small town that wouldn't roll the dice on three 14s. Unless they know that you're in town mm-hmm. and he always buys Jordans. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, it's like, it's really interesting that I feel like a lot of people had this really cool experience with shoes throughout their life and you might have not realized that it was a cool experience. Mm-hmm. I, I always find that like really interesting that shoes are like a part of your life. Um, but some people really, really like pick up on it and hone in on it. I don't know. It's cool to hear yeah, your East Bay Absolutely. <laughs> I, I would never identify myself as a sneakerhead, but I was always paying attention to like to other people's just look. So sneakers are a yeah. huge part of like a look um, to me. And and I guess that's why that's why I'm very excited about this episode because your the look of Opie Way is so clean and like universal and timeless that I think that you're you're really on to something right now. Um, and I'm excited to champion it and hear more about it. So yeah. thank you for taking taking that <laughs> wild hair with me down at East Bay. And uh, the other uh, the last thing on East Bay is that uh, my understanding of East Bay is that it was a husband and wife owned a company. She took eBay which was the online platform for selling products. And he took East Bay and went all in on sports. And I think, uh, you know, e- eBay clearly was the better. I think I that they're both that. the same. Wow. Initially, they were the same business. Wow. That's crazy. eBay yeah. won that fight you for can sure. Me, but yeah, well, <laughs> we'll do some fact-checking after this. But, I mean, that makes sense from the name <laughs> that you were saying. But, no, I, I think it's really yeah. fascinating. Like, I've never have never thought about the fact what you just said, Justin, about how everyone has an interaction with shoes. But I'm also thinking about how important shoes are to just our everyday life and we don't even realize it. Like we we are in them most of the day. Uh, maybe not with the pandemic, yeah. people might be at home in their socks, but we're in them most of the day. Mm-hmm. They literally support the rest of your body. And, and like Tony said, yeah. they're like a major sort of like fashion point that I don't think we all pick up on I I just I had to pause and sort of say that because I think that they're it's not it's not like a scarf or an earring right that's like an accessory to your or even a hat it's so functional yeah and depending on who you are it it could be like I one of my favorite fashion concepts is the idea of having like dressing like a cartoon and having just a look like a cartoon character has a look And if you can live into that, then that means that you have like a look, a sneaker that is your sneaker. Um, And clearly most people who are into fashion will have like a ton of different versions of the same thing and, you know, uh, or variations and five different awesome American made work boots. But also you could just have one and that would be great. This episode of Making It in Asheville is brought to you by Van Winkle Law Firm, one of the largest and most well-established firms serving North Carolina residents and businesses since 1907. It's a long time ago. As a full-service law firm, Van Winkle can help you and your business navigate almost every legal matter out there. So whether you're an emerging business that needs help just drawing up some contracts, or you're a mature company looking for expertise in employment law, the folks at Van Winkle Law can grow with you and your company. 
As a listener of Making It a Nashville podcast, you'll get to enjoy your first business law consultation 100% for free. Visit thewlawfirm.com for more information. Again, that's thewlawfirm.com and let them know that Making It a Nashville sent you. Justin, you, you, let's get back to the story. You, you made your first shoe, which I'm very curious. And I would love to see a picture of that. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's findable on the internet or if you can send one. It's in in their workshop. And you said it's in the workshop, right? I imagine it's in some sort of glass enclosure to always hide it for when we want to pull it out and have a laugh. So it's, it's not showcased. (laughs) Okay. Well, Maybe we'll get a picture and we can put yeah, that on our show notes uh, page just for yeah. curious fans. Everyone starts somewhere is going to be the hashtag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, but you, but you made your your first shoe, and then I'm sure you made more after that. But but tell us a little bit more about how you transitioned into realizing that you wanted to make this into a business. Yeah. So I think you know I, I was making that shoe, and from the time that I got like our first vintage shoe machines, like four or five years was, was going on. Um, We had another baby. We moved back to Asheville. Um, So like he was interrupted a lot. I wasn't like, you know, he got to devote a whole lot of time to it because our lives were really busy. Yeah. But yeah. One thing I did dive into was I was trying to find other people that, were trying to do the same thing. I was trying to look up any video I could about shoe design. And then literally like any contact I would grab, I would get their information and just try to connect. And I, uh, I met a guy who was in the industry who was trying to uh, make some shoes in the U S but he was going about it like with customs. So he would make like custom Nikes and Jordans. Um, but he was based in Los Angeles and he somehow could find these machines and he had like a factory already set up for shoes. And we had talked for quite some time back and forth. And he reached out one day and was like, Hey, I I need to unload these machines. We're moving into a different direction. I don't want to let the big companies know because they'll come snatch these machines like quick. I want to pass it on to somebody who's really going to try to use them. Like, do you want the machines? And I'm like, yeah, I, I want them for sure, but I I don't have the money. Body sweat. <laughs> um, so it was like a six month conversation of okay, is it feasible to buy machines to make shoes? Is it a business we could even do? And I don't know, like six months every single night. That was the conversation I think we were having. Was like, is this a thing? And we had pretty much said like, there's no way we can get the money. It's not going to happen. But one morning I woke up, I had to travel for like four hours that day. And I was like, just call people, you know, and tell them your situation. And if nothing's going to come of it, like, just let it be after this day. And by the end of that day, I had like, we had already found, you know, somebody that would help us out to make that first machine acquisition. So it was this amazing like thing that happened so quick and we were like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to buy these machines. Um, we flew down with Amanda's grandpa and my dad, which was like, we should have taken a lot more pictures because it was like such a moment. 
Yeah, and it was such a funny moment, all of us going, but we grab these machines from LA and we get them shipped back here to a small factory space. And then it's like, okay, we have these machines, but we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> like, yeah. We well, and how, for context, sorry to interrupt you, but how big are these machines? Like how much space and, and how much Most volume are, are we talking about? Um, like just industrial sewing machines. So they're on tables that are like mm. two by four, three by five. Yeah, three by five tables. So, okay. you know, you like walk into our factory, the most of the machines, it just looks like you're walking into, you know, some like sewing manufacturing. Like I see. Uh, okay. Um, there are a few though that are weird shaped and heavy. And um, so it took, you know, our, our first batch of machines, it was like a full tractor trailer load of stuff cool crazy yeah and it was crazy and like i remember the day we got the machines it was such a big deal and we were in this factory space and then we had to take a step back and be like okay like literally we have these machines we don't know how to use them we don't know what we're really what we're doing like to make these shoes or build these shoes and it was i don't know it's kind of funny when i think about it now (laughs) because we just like stepped into something full force with no real plan so, so for, <laughs> for lack of trying to, I, I'm just hoping to, to peel some of these layers. So it, in the six months of saying we might buy these machines, if, if the money fell into our laps, we'd do it. Or, or maybe that's not, if the money falls into our laps, would we do it? Like how, <laughs> it's one thing to like want to do it. It's another thing like, did you build spreadsheets? We're like, well, if we could make 10 shoes a month, we could, like, was there any kind of arithmetic that was happening in the background? (laughs) Or was it just like, if we get the money, let's buy it and then figure it out? Like, so the every night conversation was Uh a lot about sitting down in front of a computer and trying to work it out in our head. Like, cool. Numbers. But the thing is, like, there's not, there's only so much you can do to predict if you know nothing about the manufacturing of shoes. So that was our problem. That's why it was so difficult because it's like, I think this makes sense. And then it would be like, well, we don't know how much it is to buy, you know, I don't know, souls or so it was like, it was a lot of work for something that we didn't really know anything about. And there wasn't really anybody we could ask the questions to. Most people just thought like you guys are crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And and so as all of a sudden, you know, you make calls around the network, money shows up. Were there any lessons in fundraising that show up? Like, did you start a, co- like once someone said yes, did you like make a company to take the money as a company? You're just playing a little fast and loose, which is absolutely fine. I think it's fine for most people to play fast and loose. Just wondering how, what like practically what was happening as it was like, oh my God, this is going to happen. LLC <laughs> or throw it in the bank. Let's go to California. We're doing it. We actually, we didn't even start our LLC for like a long time until cool. someone was like, you can't do this until you have your LLC. And we were like, <laughs> okay, we need to start the LLC. Finally. Like, yeah. um, uh, you, you can't buy wholesale products without an EIN. Or yeah. Something. Yeah. You, yeah. You have to have like a profile to even yeah. buy souls, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. We waited a while. Like we were deliberating about the name for so long and um, yeah. then just trying to decide if we had totally just like 
ruined our lives by building machines <laughs> and not knowing how to use them. And so that was like a couple months of like, oh my God. Um, but yeah, once we like learned how to make the shoes and we made our first pair and we were like, this is not that bad, um, you know, on our machines, then yeah, then we started the company initially. And yeah. And Amanda, at one point, did you start to get more involved in this? Because it, it, in the beginning, it kind of seems like this is Justin's crazy. He's got these two machines. He's playing around. Like, how did you become more part of this dream, well, too? When he first told me about the machines, you know, I thought it was totally out of the question. Like, there's no way that could ever happen. But um, I have always been into sewing. And, like, I've always been making stuff like since you know I was in high school um so I just kind of like when he was telling me more about it and like what the machines were I got a little more excited because I'm like well I can sew so like I can help and that sounds really fun um and then I wasn't even gonna go to LA to get the machines and like see them just because we had kids and plane tickets are expensive um but my mom was like, you gotta go. Like, if you guys are really going to do this, like he can't do it alone. Like he's going to need your support. And so, um, I decided to go with him. And so then I felt super invested and it really became more of like our thing. Um, and especially once we got all the machines, like we didn't have any employees yet. So it was just us. So, um, we really learned how to make the shoes together. Mm -hmm. And so, then I was all the way in because I like learned how to do it, you know, from the ground up. And so, um, yeah, I just kind of snuck my way in. <laughs> Great. So let's date stamp yeah. it. When did the trailer with the equipment show up in North Carolina? March 15th. Yeah. Of 2019. Yeah. Wowie. <laughs> cool. And so how many approximately, maybe, you know, the exact answer, how many, shoes have left your building since then that's a good question or or maybe been produced is it hundreds yeah, thousands, just, hundreds just hundreds hundreds dozens hundreds hundreds that's amazing yeah. to think that just a handful of years ago you were making uh, ankle weights and <laughs> that look like water water shoes or something yeah for sure and like when the machines got there it was like Okay, it took me eight, I don't know, maybe even nine months, literally, to learn how to make the shoes and get them to scale and understand the process before we ever started the company, really. So right. it was just like, I don't know. I think it was like, you, like when I'm hearing it, it, it is so crazy, but it just, um, I don't know, it just felt like our life. Like, it just kind of happened. It's yeah, It's been kind of amazing. And but, once once those uh, once stuff showed up from LA, were, were you a hundred percent all in, Justin? And like this was your entire day. Were you making money elsewhere and making shoes at night for those eight months? What was? Yeah, I was. Uh, I had a when we moved here. I had a marketing company, so I was like, I was already self-employed. In our factory, we have an office spot, so it was you know ten twelve-hour days just doing anything and everything I could throughout the day. Um, it was probably like one of the hardest things I've ever done. Um, yeah. Honestly. What, what kind of, what kind of marketing were, <laughs> what, 
What kind of marketing were you doing? I was, uh, we were doing web design, SEO, paid advertising. Um, cool. Yeah. It, it makes sense. Your website's beautiful. Oh, oh thank you. Thank you. <laughs> we don't, we're not like, we, our standards are really high because uh, yeah. on a company. So we're always like, our site doesn't look good enough. Yeah. But always changing. <laughs> looks great. Yeah, I think it, it looks great. And and for being such a relatively young company, you can't tell, to me, like going to your site, I I have the impression that you guys have been around for years. Oh, nice. So you guys are doing something right, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So tell us about the your first sale at, um, and, and sort of what happened after that moment. Yeah, 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 go for it. Um, well, we like launched our site you know mm-hmm. our friends and family and everyone knew um what we had been doing and they were probably all like is this <laughs> ever gonna happen and so it was november 1st i think it was november 1st that we like put our website live on the internet um and our neighbor bought the first pair um like that first day and it was really sweet for her son and so um then like no one else was really buying any and we were like Okay. Um, but we weren't marketing. We just had like our Instagram, like that was it. And so we had a market scheduled in Atlanta, um, for like the 11th and 12th. Mm -hmm. And so we went to that market and then we got there and it was all like, you know, vintage Christmas decorations and like pottery. And, um, we stuck out so bad. We really stuck (laughs) out. Like no one had anything like what we had. And so we were, very scared that it wasn't going to go well. And we'd spent, you know, like a good bit of money, like to pay for the market and, you know, get a hotel and all that stuff. And so I was just like, if we can just make back like the hotel and the market money, like, you know, maybe that would be okay. But we sold a lot of shoes. Like people would just walk up and buy them. And we were totally shocked. Um, And so that was like our first, you know, moment where we realized it was going to be okay. And what were, I mean, day one, what were, what were the prices approximately of the early uh, shoes? 268, I think, was the first. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, 268. And I'm, I'm saying that because perhaps a listener is, you know, price anchored to the Skechers that they get at yeah. Walmart. Not a problem if that's what you're, you know, used to buying, $39. Yeah. But, like, it's not made down the street, people. And so it's important that we know that it rounds to $300 yeah. most of the shoes. Yeah that you've made and so it's not insignificant to me that people showed up met you said i i'm in i'll take them yeah here's here's my money that's a huge huge yeah it's a gigantic deal yeah what what market in atlanta i i grew up outside of atlanta oh it was just it was do you know vintage market days it's like a pop-up market that's Mm -hmm. all over the country um so it's not like not specific to atlanta yeah (laughs) yeah yeah Nice. Cool. Well, th- that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, huge, huge milestone, yeah. huge mile marker. So you break even plus on this trip to Atlanta. We did, yeah. yeah. And then you come back like, ah, uh, Superman, what <laughs> happens now? Are you like just making more uh, shoes than ever? Are you trying to get wholesale? Are you saying wholesale is not right for us at this date? Like what's, what's happening now that there's a little bit of validation? Yeah. So, um, we had a few more markets scheduled like for the rest of the year and most of them were here. Mm -hmm. Um, so really we were like, 
just so overwhelmed trying to get enough product to take to the next market. And also like some of the sales in Atlanta, you know, most of them were like, okay, I need this size. So you need to make it and send it to me. So, um, and that's how our process usually works. Like we don't usually carry any stock. People order their size and then we make it and ship it to them. Um, so we were- Just pause on that real quick. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> so you're getting like literally just made fresh, <laughs> fresh, fresh, fresh sneakers when you order. Yeah, yeah. we like, yeah. we try to send pictures and some emails through the process to let you know. I'm so into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we were like, no, it's all good. Um, We were just working on that and then getting ready for those other markets. um, And those went really well, too. So, like, we were pretty busy all the way, like, through Christmas, um, which was good. Like, you know, we felt like, okay, we're not crazy. Like, it's going to be okay. And we were meeting a lot of people. And that was, like, a fun time in the business. Yeah. And I'm curious to going back to the design for a moment. Um, was there any customer feedback process, right? Like you, maybe you made a design and then you tweak some things based on what customers were saying or, or how did, how did you refine the design? I, um, that was probably my biggest fear and like starting to sell shoes was, Oh my God, I don't know. Like we're going to start getting the emails. That's like, we hate these shoes or like they're, the ripping or something and so I think I was too scared to really like reach out to anybody at first so I'm like I don't want any of that negative feedback um but then you know we both just decided like we have to just like reach out and see how things are doing people spent really good money on these shoes and like we just need to confirm and so that's and we still like do it today where we like reach out to everybody and ask them how it's gone but we've the feedback has been like I'm going to, this is a wood table, so I'm knocking on wood, but it's been like amazing. It's been such a, Mm -hmm. where I thought, you know, we were going to have some negativity potentially. It's been so positive. So I don't know. The the feedback has been amazing for us. And I'll just say that doesn't surprise me a, because things look beautiful, but I mean uh, that aside, right? So aesthetics aside, I tend to, uh, a truism is that the more perceived value someone has at the buying, mm-hmm. in the buying process, mm-hmm. the more likely they'll be satisfied yeah. by the solution. And so that's in all things. That's in marketing. That's in uh, selling widgets. That's in selling handmade sneakers. Like the more value that you're able to pack into the delivery, the more likely people are going to say, it's great. I mean, I love it. I'm so happy with it. Whereas if you're racing to the bottom in a commodity market and you're pricing as low as you can to, you know, people are going to say, well, you know, three stars. <laughs> I don't know. Like Amazon, like what is a normal thing that people say? Yeah. Cheap. But so that, that makes sense to me. All that to say is that it makes sense to me that when people invest in a idea that is your business and the product that are your products, um, they would be very happy with it. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've been saying that a lot and like people reach out a lot and say, you know, do you want to trade or like I'll feature you on my Instagram. And we just realized really quickly that just doesn't really work that well. Um, because when you get something for free, then you're just it's not as exciting as when you like seek it and choose it and choose to invest in it. Um, 
So yeah, we, a lot of people are like, why don't you get influencers, you know, and like you could really grow, but it just doesn't really like feel like that's the best route. Um, so we want that like true, um, I don't know. It's like a justification when you, when you buy something that is expensive and you get it and you're like, man, this actually like I paid for this and like, I would pay for it again. When we get those experiences, it just means a lot more than like an influencer, you know, posting a a photo. I don't know. Yeah. It's been pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. Well, so on that note, I mean, speaking about influencers and Instagram and all of that, Mm -hmm. what, what has been some of your, marketing strategies or tactics over the past year and a half? So um, I like started our Instagram page way back when, and um, that's like our kind of like our main way that we like communicate or, you know, show our stuff. And then um, probably a lot of people find our site through like a blog that's about American made shoes. Um, That's like one of our biggest, you know, ways that people find us. Um, we really like need to do more marketing. Yeah. Um, but we're always like, we're right at, we get right to the cusp where like, you know, we're so busy, like making the shoes and communicating with people and it's like just us. And then my aunt works for us a little bit. Um, so really we're kind of at this point where like we need to hire and, um, get someone who's helping us make the shoes and then we can like really put the, you know, a little bit more into our marketing. Um, but right now if we market, we're probably going to be like too busy <laughs> to be able to, to keep up. So we're at like a, what do you call yeah. it? Like a, I don't know. Capacity, capacity threshold. There's a, there's a about to be a tie that, yeah. that changes, <laughs> but there's a, bottleneck in, in production you can only sell as many yes. as you can make and you're making as many as you can sell right now that's yeah. and that's a honestly it's a seems like a pretty great place to be what at less than two years into the thing like well under two years into the thing it's pretty exciting it is very exciting for sure yeah it's the it's like the first time that we're really starting to see okay we we're, we're on to something and we can make this grow i think a little bit yeah and so it's it's feeling good now <laughs> And yeah. How many different product styles are there? Huh. Well, we have two two sneakers right now, um, and then one of them comes in a high top and a low top, and then you know different colors and material. colors. Mm-hmm. Got it. Cool. Um, one of the things I'm always curious about, mainly because I know that it happens to most of us as business owners, is what mistakes you made that you learned from. Um, over the past two years, was there something that you did that you're like, I will never do that again? Or like, that was a great learning opportunity for myself. We've learned, oh man, like so many bad decisions. Um, (laughs) I think like making, like making sure that if you're going to purchase something, you know, the ins and outs and the implications and you're protected. Um, that was probably... Mm -hmm. We had a few hiccups there. Um, you to do manufacturing, it's like it just takes so much money. You've got to you've got to start buying your you know your materials are going to be like minimum order quantities. So anywhere you know if you're going to buy leather or soles or 
Like, whatever yeah. material laces like it's always you you got to have a little bit of money to play with it so we it was like so interesting to just like our money was just all over the place mm-hmm. the like little bit of money that we didn't even really have um <laughs> i think that's been the biggest lesson for me is just making sure that you're protected and i don't know yeah yeah when when so I, I've always been fascinated by it. Like I, the only businesses I've ever dabbled in or played in have been very low by way of capital expenses, right? Like you just kind of hang the shingle and it's yeah. started. Uh, no inventory to buy, no uh, cost of goods sold necessarily. Um, have you done any like additional funding financing do you have like business credit cards do you have bank loans or is it all still that first initial money so we thought like we got the money for the machines and then we were like okay but we're gonna need a lot more to start the business you know like another like fifty thousand so that we can hire we were gonna hire immediately since we didn't know how to make shoes we we're gonna <laughs> hire someone to do like our stitching um at least and we were gonna be like putting them together but like neither of us is a professional sewer. So we're like, okay, we're going to get that money for that and money to buy like, you know, our leather and our soles and we need like a chunk. And so we just thought that would be really easy. And then after like months and months of not being able to get anyone to give us any money, um, you know, someone was like, if you were like a cupcake shop, you know, we'd probably give you a loan, but this is just kind of too out there. And, you know, we're just uncomfortable. And by that, someone you mean like a bank or like a angel investor? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Everyone, everyone was just like, no, no, no. Um, So that was actually really scary. That was like one of the scariest times because all of that was going on like when our while our machines were on the way, pretty much, and we like were looking for our factory. Also, yeah, we needed to pay factory rent, and like so, we pretty much were like almost at zero, um, and we needed to do all those things. But um, we just like kind of made it work and we got one business credit card. And so that we used like for leather and soles. Actually, we couldn't use it for soles. I remember like we were going to place our sole order and we were all ready and they like send us the invoice and they're like, we only accept wire transfer from your bank. And we were like, <laughs> no. <laughs> They've probably been talking about uh, getting burned on orders. They've probably been burned on uh, oh, credit cards. Sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, so... Um, but our bank account, like, didn't exist at the moment. Yeah, it was like, on. <laughs> like oh, so we need to get it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that was a crazy day where I was, like, we had to order the soles that day, and I was trying to, like, get the money, and, like, you know, Mom, can we just have, like, this little chunk until, like, next week, and then we'll pay it right back, but we had to do this wire transfer today. And um, so, anyways, we, like somehow got away with like just the one business credit card and that's been it yeah you're in you're in the driver's seat people like this is a a dream place to be that it it seems at least that there's been almost no equity given up maybe except for that early money and then and then good like uh, every every business story that starts with, yeah, people were just throwing money at us. Almost n- none of them ended that well. And so like the ones who dis- who are like disruptors and build things that are like really exciting and crazy, 
typically are like so off in left field that a traditional investor would be like, sorry, people, like, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> like, making shoes in America, it's 2020. Yeah. What's the matter with that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, we felt that way for sure. Right? Like the day I had that meeting specifically and we had, I don't know, we just, the statement of like, if you were a cupcake shop and I could taste, you know, the cupcake and, but like you're making shoes and I just, I don't know. So it was like, it was a sad day. It was sad, but it was also like an eye opener that, okay, we're so different. Like we're going to have to prove our point a little bit. Um, And I think that like helped in the long run, honestly. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I have a, I, so have you not tried to raise money in the last yeah. year? Yeah. I, so I imagine if you, if you went back or, or went to a new lot of the same amount of people and said like, Hey, look, money would just kind of be flo- flo- floating at you at whatever, you know, rates you're interested in. I think that, um, it's a, it, it sounds like a really interesting thing. People can see the shoes, put them yeah. on, look at the sales and go, Oh, I'm in right. early. <laughs> you know, like, I saw, I saw it coming. And, uh, that's so funny. Yeah. Well, I remember I'm reminded of this um, phrase and I don't remember where I heard this last. It might have been another podcast guest. It could have been someone else I was talking to, but it was um, something to the effect of if you need money, ask for advice. But if you need advice, ask for money, which yeah. I, I find that so fascinating. It, it just reminds me of yeah. kind of what you guys are doing. Like you, you figured it out. Like you were resourceful yeah. rather than relying on just someone to loan you or create money. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. All right. So we're we're humming through holiday 2019 into the early days. <laughs> Everything's future is so bright. I need to wear sunglasses. Is your motto in January? <laughs> and now, <laughs> never heard that one before. <laughs> Uh, and so, and so uh, all of a sudden comes uh, coronavirus and a global pandemic. Um, and you're like, that's it. That's it. We're going bankrupt. Or. I mean, we were already like, just so, um, what do we say? Like people were asking us that this question, they're like, how are you guys doing? Like, you know, are you going to be okay? And we're like, we're already not really making any money. So it's, like we're taking a hit of any kind because <laughs> like normal life, you know, we're not making anything anyways. Um, so, but really what started to happen was that we just like every month, like we were getting more, a few more orders and then a few more and then a few more. And we were just kind of like, I don't know. And um, like when the stimulus hit, like we got a lot of orders. And so it was just, we were like, okay, maybe it's going to be all right. We were just kind of holding on and just seeing what happened, um, which is still kind of what we're doing. <laughs> um, yeah. It, it, like, we have had, like, this time, and I think, like, a lot of people through this whole thing have had this time to, like, even though things are crazy, like, it's almost like in some ways the world paused and we could kind of slow down for a minute and think, like, what do we need to do to make this happen, to like actually make this happen. Um, so like it hasn't been and it wasn't easy like at all, um, but we had a lot of time to really kind of like think about things. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
And, and it seemed like from watching your Instagram stories, you know, back even before then, that you were spending a lot of time in the factory anyway, in like a self quarantine. Yeah. I'm just working, yeah. making shoes. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, our life was very much like already that. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and like we did the same thing that every manufacturer, I think, did in the early days where we like started making some masks and we share a space with Diamond Brand Gear in our beautiful website. I'm not familiar with that business. <laughs> But what it, I mean, the, it, the stuff looks yeah. amazing. They just redid their site. They would be really happy to hear that. I'm gonna. Oh yeah, let them know. I because I well in in you know the pre-interview I was like, oh, let's see Diamond Breaker. Oh yeah, they've been working really hard, so yeah. they'll be really happy to hear that. <laughs> amazing company though too, and so they were making a lot of PPE, um, and so we helped out with them whenever we could. So it was. I don't know. We just, I think as a business, we were like, man, we're already so tight. Um, we just have to figure out now what we do to make sure that, you know, we can actually make it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and I want to talk about kind of that, com- like the component of production, logistics, pricing. Mm-hmm. How did you figure all of that out? Or how are you, how are you figuring it out right now? Because I imagine it's probably an ongoing yeah. thing. Like, how did you decide, okay, I'm going to need this amount of souls or, or I mean, not souls is not the, right, the best example, yeah. but pricing it all out and figuring out all those components? Yeah, I mean, first of all, like, I think our business model when we first started, our business model was very much like direct to consumer picking up no wholesale accounts. Like it's, you can just get it through our website. And then that changed a little bit. And we were like, man, there's some, there are some other brands and some other stores that are, it would be amazing Mm -hmm. to like be inside some very selective retail spaces. So then we changed the business model to, okay, we need to have some, some sort of wholesale account pricing, um, and so I think it literally took like, I don't know, you can probably speak to it better than me, but it was like, let's make this shoe and then let's break it down. Like how much did this shoe cost us? And we also need to build yeah. in like all of these other aspects to cost. Yeah. Yeah. Overhead and your time yeah. and Rent. yeah. So it's been like, I don't know, very hands-on pricing. Um, yeah. But something that's on our mind every single day. Yeah. And, yeah. And how many wholesale accounts are you in now? Because I, I, I tend to agree. My, my assumption is that drafting off the quality brand of like the best shop in uh, Kansas City and the best shop in San Francisco and the best shop, like whatever the city might be, probably makes some sense to have, a, you know, a physical marketing mm-hmm. Uh, by way of your shoes just being in somebody else's space space is a weird thing in 2020 but um how many how many locations are we looking at today? we're just in one right now um well he just opened a second so i guess technically two but it's um in laguna beach and um that was our plan like in january we were like we're gonna hit wholesale really hard because we figured out our pricing we figured out how to make it work um and then that's when you know coronavirus came so we were like we're never going to get any wholesalers, but, um, we did, we got this one, like, and we, we really love his shop and what he's doing and it's been a great relationship. And so, um, 
yeah, we're like, we're not pushing that super hard right now, but we definitely, it's on our mind. Like we want it, we want to be in a few places, you know, like across the country. And so we're working towards that. Out of curiosity, what is it called? This oh, yeah, it's North Menswear. North. Very cool. Yeah, I, um, there, uh, you know, the old version of me that really pays attention to menswear, uh, there were a couple of California places that I, I, I wouldn't know them until you said it out loud. And I'm like, oh, yeah. 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 I, don't, I don't know. If I, I think he's kind of new. Yeah, yeah, just uh yeah just very new um but it's a really cool space and i think like i'm excited about that because we can be really selective about where you know we want our products to be and i think it i don't know there's just there are a lot of stores that are starting to sell these products that are like really well made in the u.s and so i think it's an interesting place to be for sure yeah and i think an an interesting (laughs) like um time because I I am getting the sensation that there's this trend of um, younger people caring more about what they buy and, and wanting to be more intentional about it and finding American-made brands that are building things with sustainable um, materials. Yeah, I'm losing my words. But yeah, I, I think that's that's interesting. I think it's an interesting place to be for yeah. you guys. Yeah, we, we hope so. Yeah. That's, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, when I was in like the menswear space, it was, it was probably the beginning or the height of this made in America, Americana workwear yeah. vibe, yeah. but it was almost all apparel. It's almost all shirts and jeans yeah. and jackets and shirts mm-hmm. and jackets. Um, and then, you know, the boot manufacturers were just a, so into it yeah. because uh yay more people are wearing jeans and like 16 ounce <laughs> denim uh awesome but i can't like are there are is there a competition in the american sneaker space like or or, or is it like more of a community of a handful i because i can't even think i can think of american brands and relatively upstart mm-hmm. sneaker brands but I don't know. I just imagine that they're not making them in America, or I know about it. Most people kind of hit you over the head with that as a. Yeah. Just, There's some like New Balance has, makes a few, and like Fry Fry right. makes a few, but um, like that we know of, there's not. Well, Standard Fair. Yeah, there there are like a few. There are definitely like a few very small places, or like that are maybe you know a little bigger than us but it just like for sneakers it doesn't it's just not really a thing right now it's you can right. you can find boots like all day yeah and there's like an america there's an sorry italian like expensive sure. sneaker thing and that's mm-hmm. that's you, you, everywhere right like i can think of every brand oh we use this one town in yeah. italy mm-hmm. and i'm like i it's <laughs> I know enough about Italian manufacturing that it's just because it's in Italy doesn't mean that it's Italian manufacturing that the, you know, connotation, denotation, it's close, but it's definitely not the same. It's not like a little old man uh, making it by yeah. hand is most, most of the Italian uh, shoe production is not uh, the well-known uh, ones. Yeah, anyways. Cute, yeah. Little old men mm-hmm. making one at a time. Yeah. The Italian. Yeah. Where, where is no, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say like Italian shoes are like, that's definitely like the hub of really nice sneakers. That's 
you know, I think really that's where the classic modern sneaker originated. Um, unfortunately, that like that gets this claim of made in Italy is this amazing thing. A lot of times it can be just like finished in Italy and um, but, designed. Yeah, in Italy. yeah mm-hmm. but, but definitely yeah. like the place that, you know, maybe was the birthplace of really nice handmade sneakers. Um, so I don't ever take anything away from that. It just is what it is. Oh, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I, and, and I, I didn't mean to in my, Oh no. Theory, I'd say lax, lax. Okay, <laughs> cool. But uh, I just recently, almost as though Google knew that we we're going to have this conversation, uh, it suggested that I watch some YouTube channel slice sneakers. Oh yeah, uh, like slicing luxury sneakers in half and like assessing the quality of the construction yeah. and saying that some of it's not as good as what you're thinking yeah. you're paying for. Um, and so I'm wondering, what things have you have you learned over the last two years that make uh, a shoe bu- that, that maybe shoe buyers should be aware of. Like, are there keywords? Like, I've heard like a good year welt yeah. on a boot means a, generally a good thing. You can remove the sole, and so you'll have a longer life. Like, what what other keywords or concepts might be important in in sneakers? Like, material selection is maybe one of the biggest things. I think for me, you can um, on the spectrum of like buying leather there are some leathers that are super cheap and they're that cheap for a reason. And then there are leathers that are expensive and like they're expensive because the process makes it expensive. So like knowing material, which an everyday consumer might not know that, um, like that's a big thing to look for. Yeah. Like we always tell like what tannery the leather is from and what type of leather it is. Like we only use vegetable tan leather as of now. Um, and we get our leather from two tanneries um, in the U.S. So it's all tanned here. It's not tanned with chemicals and formaldehyde. And, you know, so us, that's really important. It makes a difference because, like, your foot is touching it. Um, so once I learned about leather, anything I had that was leather, I'm looking at, like, oh, no. Like, was it tanned with all these chemicals? And um, it's just, like, different, you know, things that you learn through life. But that's important to us, like for the quality and like sustainability and like your health. And, um, yeah. so I'm going to th- throw a buzzword out that, uh, whore ween, yeah. leather is the, <laughs> is the only one I'm familiar with. Is that like, yeah, that's half of our shoes are made with whore Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That, uh, people from my world 10 years ago, if you saw whore you yeah. knew that that was a good <laughs> shoe or a good wallet wow. or a good belt. Um, that was good leather. So I'm glad that, that I wasn't lying. No, you weren't. No, Horween is great. They're the one that's been around the longest, probably, in the U.S. Yeah. Still and then uh, Wicket and Craig is our other tannery that we use that's also U.S.-based. Yeah. Um, but some of the best leather, you know, you can buy mm-hmm. in general. So. Yeah. Um, I would say material, like to answer your question, material is definitely something that I look for if I'm trying to figure out why something is priced the way it is. And like recraft, like you can easily resole our shoes. So like if you wear through the sole, um, it's really easy to pop the stitches and take the sole off and put a new one on. So um, just like a longer life and a more sustainable shoe. So people usually ask us, you know, are your sneakers recraftable um, or resolable? And so... Yeah. Hmm. 
Interesting. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. I well you we were talking about earlier about how boots can be kind of resold, yeah. but I never I don't know. I never I think about getting my boots like fixed up, but I never think about getting my sneakers yeah, fixed up. Done. I don't know. I just usually throw them away. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, so you are one of the handful of couples, husband and wife teams that we've interviewed before. And um, we're always interested to know about what it's like working together because obviously Tony and I are husband and wife and we work together. Um, what What is that like? I mean, tell us, tell us more about how you guys manage that dynamic. We had never done it before. Um, even though we had been together for so long, like since we were teenagers, it definitely was like something that we had to learn though. Like some of those early days in the factory, so much like frustration and unknowing, like did we make the right decision? Those moments were really difficult. But then also like the moments when we would do things together and like take a step forward or, you know, we went, we went to the market together and we sold those shoes and like, we're able to say like, I remember, you know, having dinner that night and thinking like, okay, we might be okay. So it's just like, I don't know. To answer your question, I think like separation is, <laughs> separation of working together and like doing life together is necessary. Like coming home and saying, we don't talk mm -hmm. about shoes. We're gonna watch, a, you know, we're gonna watch The Wire. like. Mm -hmm. Now, is that true? Are you able to leave the shoes at the factory? Sometimes. 80%, 20, 20%? I mean, no, it's more like, I feel like like 10% cause we want to talk okay. about it. Like, and anytime we're together, like we're usually like thinking, I'm thinking about it. And so then like, even if we're like, let's not talk about shoes, let's just make <laughs> dinner. I'll be like, what if we did this with this? Or have you ever looked at yeah. this other? It's just so much fun that it's hard to talk yeah. about. <laughs> Cool. Yeah. yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. Oh my god, they leave work at work. So we just got a, an office in in downtown, and so it has it has wildly changed our life. But to you know to even joke to someone and say that we leave work at the office, yeah. I would just say that we're not like it's a gift that we don't. I mean, we have this whole little like studio hidden now behind the camera to not see this in our tiny apartment would have been 80% of the time that we're in our apartment, we would see this. And I think that that's just a whole next level of conversation about the business or, um, you know, gravitational pull back into the business that I'm, I'm thankful that we've, uh, what would it be jettisoned jettisoned. Yeah. Like but, but I mean, but we're on the same thing. We still, we, yeah, we would, we will, you know, want to say like, oh yeah, we're not going to talk about work. And then we'll go home and we're like, but the same thing, like, what if we did this? And like the idea starts spinning and like, it's enjoyable yeah, and yeah. it's, it's been a part of, I think our relationship. Yeah. So it's important to us as well. So all that to say is I think a lot of couples that work together are probably the same yeah. way in many ways. Do, do you guys, how do you guys split up your roles in terms of who does what 
for the company and for life, I guess, in general? Um, well, Justin like makes all the shoes. Um, and mm-hmm. so I don't do a lot of making anymore. I like to, um, but there was just so many other things that needed to be done, like sourcing and customer care and marketing. And so um, really, I just like gradually kind of like stepped into that. And then that works because they can be home with our kids like while I'm doing all of those things. And so in the beginning when we were learning how to make them, I was like going to the factory almost every day. And so we were paying for childcare like a lot. And then I was just away from the kids a lot and that was all great and fun. And I miss it sometimes, but um, it's been good like to be able to be home and like take care of all that. Mm-hmm. So I'm really like the internet side and like communicating with all of our um, suppliers and he's just making juice. <laughs> and Jess is just headphones in, listening to making it in Asheville all day, every day. Is that what? Yeah. <laughs> I, I have actually like, been on a, a binger. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm like um, living at the factory when I'm not at home. Um, yeah. But it's all, I don't know. It's, it's really good. I, we're like doing something that I wanted to do. Like, if you'd have told me in middle school, you're going to not just design shoes, you're going to have your own shoe company. Like that sounds amazing. So, um, yeah. 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 You made it happen. I'm curious how many shoes can you make in a day? Oh, that, I think that depends. Like shoes are the process of making a shoe is so long. It's like, you can't make a shoe in a day. Really? You can, you have okay. to kind of make shoes in batches because mm-hmm. you're going to construct the upper and then you're going to have to get that like pressed on top of a sole and glued and it's got to sit for 24 hours. And so the process is so long. Um, I think, you know, we're, our capability is probably if we were to go in next week and like 50 shoes in a week, it's probably like our max with our setup. Um, Sounds like a lot of shoes to me. It's it's okay. Um, we need to make a lot more though. Um, yeah. yeah. Is it just you, or do you have someone there helping you now? We, we do. We have too? one uh, person helping mm-hmm. us with shoes, so we've like kind of divided the roles a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's really just us three. Wow. Um, I'm gonna clap real quick. <laughs> because I forgot to clap before. Uh, and so in in the production of the shoes, one of the things that I was, um, I was thinking about earlier is, I guess, inspiration for the shoes, right? So that your, your sneakers, to me, have a very classic appeal. And so I, my, I have assumptions about it. But uh, I would love to know what inspiration or what has in, in inspired or informed your designs so far. Um, and I'll, I'll stop. Yeah. What has inspired your designs? There are certain shoes that I have picked up on in my life that are super meaningful to me. And the one thing that I find in, in all of them is like, they're all a very classic silhouette. So like a Converse, like a Chuck Taylor, it's amazing how long that thing has been around and you still find people wearing it down the street. Like it's an incredible design. Like 
vans have some incredible, you know, vans and Sperry's and CVs. Like all of those guys have these classic shoes that just stay around forever because you can, I don't know, you can change them in so many ways. Um, and then even like we have a basketball sneaker that's coming out and it's modeled after like very classic basketball shoes. So the word classic, it's funny that you said that because it's like very much what I'm drawn towards. Um, and I would say like, that's probably where we'll stick for a little while. Like I want to reinvent and make some classic shoes that have nods, you know, to shoes that I've loved my whole life. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, are there shoe designers? So I, I've been wanting to mention, uh, a show and I can't think of the name <laughs> of it, but, uh, at maybe abstract to Netflix documentary, it's like chef's table, but for design. Yeah. And so have you seen the one, I, I want to say his name is Tinker, the, the Nike. Tinker designer? was like my hero growing up. Tinker Hatfield. Um, Tinker Hatfield. Yeah, he's uh, very famous for like uh, Nike Air Max at first and then went on to the Jordan line. So when I was growing up, like that dude, he was like living the dream. That was, uh, that was my hero. Cool. And I imagine then you've seen that little documentary episode on tinker yeah it's uh, uh. <laughs> it, it's really um yeah so it like shows him driving around in his van i think a little bit is the same one that you're talking about on that i think so yeah and and it was like maybe partially the design of the uh the human real version of the back to the future yeah yeah the mag the nike air mag yeah <laughs> yeah self self-strapping like crazy yeah sneaker from like uh working on that for nike right now um that's specifically what they're working on like shoes that lace themselves uh and like bringing that technology into shoes for real i think is what tinker is working on right now it's cool wait what shoes that lace themselves yeah like have you have you ever seen back to the future like the nike shoes he's wearing you press like a little button and they compress to your foot. There's no laces. Um, so they've, I think they've released like two basketball shoes that kind of do that already. Um, they're very expensive and like kind of chunky though. Um, but it's really his, his idea is like when someone's shooting free throws, it would like loosen yeah. it. And then like, as stuff gets more real and they, it'll like tighten up cause it knows that, uh, you know, you're defending someone, which is so, <laughs> so futuristic and nonsensical to me that it's, it's, it's crazy to talk about. Um, but like, just, I, I, I'm at, that's, you know, I effectively, all I do in every conversation is attempt to throw a thing out that I've seen at one point and ask if, does this mean anything to you? And then see if it does. So yeah, he was like, uh, a lot of kids looked up to Jordan's because of Michael Jordan yeah. I did that a little bit, but I was really like the story of Tinker designing the shoe was maybe more important than Michael Jordan actually to me. Crazy. And, and like, how did you hear, how did you hear about that in the nineties? Like, cause I, I just knew the shoes. Like it never would never once that I'm aware of across my screen or a magazine. I'm like the designer of the shoe. Yeah. I think, um, I don't know. Like the first time that I realized that, tinker like existed was there was a magazine called slam magazine you're familiar with that it was like a basketball magazine 
Um, but right in the middle of it, they would have like four pages that it was like a shoe category. Like here are the shoes that are coming out. Here's what some of the, you know, athletes are wearing. Um, and there was an article about Tinker. He created the Air Jordan 11. Um, and that was probably like one of his most famous silhouettes in like 1996. Um, and I remember reading that article about this guy. He was this older guy and he had this really cool hat on. And I don't know, that's where my like fascination with his life became, I think. Cool. There you go. <laughs> cool. All right. So what about the future for OPWA? What are you guys dreaming of or hoping to do over the next uh, few so months? So many years? things. So many um, things. We have, uh, we're working on a really cool project with another brand, a denim company. Um, and we're going to do like a collaboration that that's been coming for like, you know, over a year. So I'm really excited about that one. Um, and then, I don't know, we just, we're at a point where we have to kind of pivot and hit the ground running. Um, I want to make sandals. So that's on my list. <laughs> and, um, like we want to make kids shoes at some point since we have kids. Um, yeah. Yeah, and your company's named after your kids. <laughs> yeah, I feel like when our kids need shoes, I'm like, Ugh, I hate, I, like, I just feel so weird to buy shoes for our kids when, like, I know we could make them. It's just a long process to get, like, the last, which is the form and all the kids' sizes and, like, source the soles and make the pattern. So um, we want to do that at some point. And, um, I mean, we want to, like, grow a little bit and we're we're looking for an apprentice right now like someone who wants to learn how to make shoes so that we can you know have a little bit of help and like teach someone so um we're like doing a few interviews for that so we're excited to bring someone else in and uh yeah yeah we have lots of dreams (laughs) we just want to be here to stay i think that's the biggest thing love love that um awesome and Congratulations, and we're excited for you. And on our 2020 roadmap is probably Christmas present, Opie Way sneakers to each other. So uh, <laughs> look out for us uh, in November. Matching, uh, matching husband and wife. Uh, and to, yeah, make sure you're very clear on when the last day to put an order. We will we'll be super specific. <laughs> <laughs> good, good, good. Um, and now uh, for our often feared but... Uh, in the end, loved speed round of questions. Okay. They are not fast, and they should not be. Okay. But, um, but in uh, not including Opiway products, have there been like single sneakers or shoes that, like leading up into the business, were the things that you thought of when you thought of your favorite shoes? Uh, yeah, Nike Blazer seventy seven. Um, Vans has a line that's called Vans Vault and they're made on like these old school lasts uh, from the 60s and 70s. Um, I don't know what else. Yeah, like we love really cool boots um, and uh, the very first Air Jordan model I have always loved even though it doesn't like match our product right now but it's definitely inspiration. Yeah. Well, and my question, which is kind of similar, but I was wondering if there was just one pair of shoes that 
you had to wear for the rest of your life, what pair of shoes would those be for both of you? Oh, well, I, you could be a house brand. I would take oh, moccasin okay. for sure, which we can yeah. take moccasin. So. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, I don't know. Asking me to choose one shoe, I don't, that's not like a, it's, it's like a loaded question for me. Um, I, I've been, we're going to release a basketball shoe. I've been wearing it every single day for like some time now. I even told Amanda like this morning, I love this shoe. So I, I'd probably pick this one. Cool. Great pick. Cool. Um, do you remember, has there been a time where you're out and you're like, oh my God, I think those are our shoes? No, not yet. Not yet. I can't wait. I can't wait for that moment for you. I guessed and I was right. Uh, John Jones <laughs> from Anchorwear. Yeah. We had coffee. So pre-pandemic, we had uh, we got drinks one night and like got acquainted. And I was like, this is a long shot, but are those Opie? <laughs> like, and he's like, yeah, you know Opie Way? And I was like, uh, only from DMs. We're trying to get him on the podcast. That's, That's awesome. hilarious. John is amazing. So I... <laughs> I can't wait for you guys to experience like a, a sighting in real life. Yeah. I know. I'm ready for that day too. Yeah. It's going to be fun. <laughs> okay. So lately, has there been, or is there a inspiring book, podcast, or movie that you watch that really sticks out to you? Ooh, that's inspiring. Um, <laughs> I, uh, oh man. I guess I listen to Shoe Dog, um, which mm-hmm. is uh, a lot of people know that, like the founder of Nike. His book, there's so many, even though it's so different, there's a lot of parallels, and it was like a big eye opener for me. I, I thought it was cool. Um, is it a book or a podcast? Shoe Dog is a, is a book. Yeah, a you book. To it yeah, it was a, I, I just listened to it while I was working for like a go through the whole thing. Um, but it's a book by Phil Knight, who was the founder of Nike. Um, I don't know what else I, I listen to music a lot. Um, that's like super inspiring to me a lot of times. And then, um, I have a friend who owns a denim company, Raleigh denim, the owner, his name is Victor. I've listened to his story probably like 200 times. Um, he, he's your, he's your friend. Raleigh denim is a huge deal. Yeah. It's just like, and such. Cool. Wow. It's, uh, yeah, they're really cool people. And, um, so I've, I've like listened to his story quite a bit because I think it's an awesome story and it's inspiring me because it's, there's so many parallels. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 What about you, Amanda? Um, <laughs> I'm, don't ask me that question. <laughs> I feel like Sarah's, Sarah's late night reading has been like crazy rich Asians and a bunch of like, it doesn't need to be inspiring if there's any oh. bit of media that you've loved recently she like i just yeah. reread um jane Eyre, which is like so nerdy but that's like one of my favorite books of all time and um i hadn't read it in a really long time and i still think it's like maybe my favorite book and um that's the last thing i read it was like last week yeah <laughs> great yeah i'm working my way that. through harry potter right now i want to read that again <laughs> I'm like, should I wait for our kids to be old enough where like I can read it to them? Or I think I might need to read it myself one more time because. 
Yeah, I think blow through it real quick and then do it again with the kids eventually. I'm I'm loving it. He's never read the book. He's only seen the movie. So I was telling him, I'm like, you have to read the books. Like this, you know, it was my childhood, you know, doing this. So I was, yeah, even better. I need to, I need to watch them. I think I need to read them again, then watch the movies. Oh, I can't wait to watch the movies again with all this extra context. I I was watching before. I loved it. And I was like, I don't know what's happening. It's been so long since I've seen the movies. But like, I sort of, I'm like, Sarah, is Severus a good guy? You know, like, so, I, was like, I think he's, I think he's a good guy. So much. Anyway. So uh, okay. Cool. So the um, final question. Yeah, last tone. question is if we had, or our audience had a magic wand, do you have a single wish uh, date stamped today during this conversation? It doesn't need to be save the world, but what would you ask for if we had a magic wand? Oh man. Um, <laughs> just in general, like doesn't have to be about the business. Be a sandwich. That's a. Um, Obviously, this year is like crazy for everybody. I think, um, I don't know, like, I'm trying to be super positive about what the next year could bring or like just the future indefinitely could bring from like all the changes. Mm -hmm. So I think I would wish that everybody could like latch on to the year together. And um, I don't know, I think we could have some really positive things that could happen next year. That'd be my wish. Like, yeah, positivity positivity and like good things coming for everybody. Yeah. That's a, that seems like a lame, I don't know. What's yours? No, me too. No. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) I just, um, I really want like, a little bit of land and we want to build like a small house and have um, some horses. <laughs> and that's like all I can really think about lately. Um, Perfect. That's a great answer. That's my, yeah. If someone could wave a wand and give me that, oh my gosh. <laughs> you gotta. Amazing. I, uh, I, I can't, love that. can't yet, but we do have a friend uh, that, that has horses, yeah. liminal equus. So we can, we can connect you guys in DM. She does great Good. Yeah. Cool. So final, final, final question right. is if someone wants to connect with you guys, where can they find you on the internet? How can they connect with you? Yeah, we have a website, opiway.com. Um, and then Instagram, we're pretty heavy on that. It's just uh, at opiway. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much the two, the two places. Yeah. Perfect. And we'll have uh, links to all of those in our show notes page as mm-hmm. well. Uh, Amanda and Justin, thank you so much for joining us. It was awesome to talk to you. Thank hey guys. You. Thanks for having us. It's awesome to talk. It's been great. Whew. Cool. Okay. So that was an episode. <laughs> we did it. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> thank you for thank you. how you feeling. Good. That went by really fast. Yeah. Did you that? Time flies. Time absolutely flies. So yeah. is there, uh, Anything as you were like meant, you know, I like, I always like to say, so you're in the shower, you're thinking about today, you're going to be in a podcast, Go, here are my talking points. Is there anything that we missed you really wanted to say? We could attempt to find space for it. We didn't like really have an agenda. We were just yeah. excited to be a yeah. part of it. I think we hit it all. Cool. Awesome. You guys, are, I mean, I'm, I'm so into it. I think that. Uh, I think that the fact that you tried to fundraise and people said no, 
just to me tells me that you were on this. If it's such an obvious yes, I would um, like it's more concerning yeah. to me. Uh, I'm I'm so pumped, and your stuff looks awesome. Thank you Thanks. so much. It means a lot. Yeah. You guys, yeah uh, you guys are doing incredible things too as yeah. a as a team together. Like I don't know, it's it's it. amazing what you guys are doing. Seriously. Yeah. Well, it's yeah one day at a time. <laughs> this was great. It's been yeah. really awesome. Thank, Thank you guys you. so much.